1: To all the books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 344. And today we are talking about books being released on January 11th, 2022 and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Vanessa Diaz, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Vanessa, it's our first time talking in a while. It's our first recording of 2022, 2022. Yeah. because Danica and I did the show like 2 weeks before last week's show. Which is good because uh, we're both hurting today. It's all the broken. I had <laughs> I had quite a nasty spill in my house last week, so I don't think I would have even been able to record. Like now, I'm I'm in a lot of pain, but not like last week. So it was a great way to start the year. Yes, my injury is
0: due to a toddler thinking that it is fine to jump on you when you're laying down, and I now have a bruised rib. So it's not quite as like interesting, but it hurts really bad. <laughs> Ugh. Here we are.
1: Yeah, I'm getting real sick of it. And we had a huge snowstorm yesterday. Oh and normally, like, I do the shoveling and keep everything clean, but I can't because I'm injured, you know. And my next-door neighbor, I keep an eye on her. She's She doesn't oh, have right. anyone to take care of her. And the person who normally does her shoveling and cleans her driveway, passed away, but I couldn't do it, you know, so she, it was like Ferris Bueller's snow day out, like, I kept catching her going outside, like, trying to, like, you know, and she's very old, and I was like, you know, I had to keep going over, being like, stop that, I'm gonna take your shovel away, you know, and, and, like, I get it, like, she she had nowhere to go, you know, I'm sure she just felt like, you know, she needed something to do, do she wanted it done, but, like, the last time I went over, you know, we have, like, a funny relationship, and, you know, I said, listen, lady, he said, you know, don't make me hit you with the shovel. And she was like, you can't even lift your arms over your head. It's like, like, oh Got me there! Well played, old lady. That is fantastic. <laughs> I felt like Olympia Dukakis in Moonstruck. Old man, if you give that dog another piece of my food. You know. But, so that's how I spent yesterday. It was like... Just like waiting for, the, for my husband to get home so he could shovel for her. That's my exciting story for the day. Yes. There's lots, like... The snow is melting so quickly. I'm looking out the window right now. Probably my voice changed because I'm changing direction. <laughs> it's just melting, you know it's so it it does that a lot lately, like it snows a whole bunch and then it's already like gone in a couple of days, which I enjoy, but yeah, that's it. uh, let's see what else. What else has started off this this year? There's been some hot <laughs> some hot publishing gossip, you know, like there was a lot of stuff mm-hmm. going on over Christmas break. Um, you know, a very famous author who didn't understand why Norman Mailer was a bad husband. Oh, oh <laughs> gosh. The, the, um, that Twitter let's storm. let what else. Yeah, what yeah. else has happened? <laughs> they caught the, they caught oh, yeah, the, the book, book thief, thief. Yeah. allegedly. Mm-hmm. Alleged book thief, I guess we should say. Yes. Who is, like, posing as publishers and authors to, like, steal manuscripts to get a leg up in the game. And there's some weird deal stuff that we were talking about on Twitter the other day. It's it's been pretty exciting so far.
0: Yeah, to be like um, eight I days see. in.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're eight days in. I've read nineteen books so far this year.
0: Of course you have.
1: I'm trying. I was trying to look at my list here. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's all I do. That's you know. Yes, I'm yes. sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no need to be sorry, Liv. Everybody here knows the thing. Like they know. They know what's you know. up. They know the the deal. I'm
1: like I'm really sorry. This is what I do. For me. <laughs> I'm like mostly sorry. A little bit eh, not sorry. Eh, you don't need to
0: be. <laughs> We're all here for it,
1: but I've read such great stuff, and there's great stuff to talk about today. True to form, I was—I read these like a very long time ago, and was like, "I'm going to reread these before the show," and and did not get to, partly because I fell down in my— Yeah, you know, house stuff happens. Running around chasing the cats. Yeah, this is why I don't wear socks. <laughs> Lesson <laughs> learned. I knew there was a reason I didn't like those. Dang those socks! <laughs> you know like cats on hardwood floors hilarious humans Uh, running on hardwood floors bad bad idea that's Uh, our psa (laughs) (laughs) seriously all right speaking of psas before we get started talking about books
2: here is a word from a sponsor today's episode is brought to you by avid reader press It kind of gives Outlander meets Cloud Atlas or If the Time Traveler's Wife was written by Sally Rooney or Colson Whitehead. Make sure to check out The Ministry of Time by Kalyan Bradley. And thanks again to Avid Reader Press for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds. Thanks again to Thirsty by Jazz Hammonds for sponsoring this episode. Okay, so
1: I'm very excited about this book, as I'm always excited about all the books I'm going to talk about. But I think this one's going to be huge. It is Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sue Lin Tan. This is an adult fantasy. It's being sold as an adult fantasy. It does have adult themes, but it's also, it's very gentle and it's, a great YA crossover. I do think this, I call Alex Award, which is the, you know, American Library Association Award that they give to YA crossover books, you know, adult books that are great for YA. And I think this is going to be it. It's just this really fun fantasy novel. It's about Zingin, who is the daughter of the moon goddess. Like, this is all, we're like 100% in a fantasy world. This is all fantasy. They live on the moon. Like, the moon is a place you can live. I don't know how they breathe. Don't ask me. But her mother is the moon goddess, and she is responsible for sending down the moonlight at night. And she's always lived there alone with her mother and their servant, who is also, like, their friend and takes care of them. And she's never met anybody else. She's read books, and she heard that, you know, her father had died before she was born. But Yin doesn't know any other life. But as she gets older, she starts to, like, feel these weird things. She sees little bits of light in her in her mind, and she, you know, and as she gets older, there's more of them, and her mother tells her, you know, like, that's, ignore that, like, you must, you must ignore that, um, you know, and so they're, like, they're living up there in their moon house with, you know, clouds and magic and, you know, all this stuff, and, but then one day, Zingyin decides to go towards those, those little bits of light in her brain, and the next day, the Celestial Empress shows up, and her mother's like, you have to hide, you have to hide, you know, so she hides, but of course, she hides in a way that she gets to overhear, you know, what's going on. And it turns out that her mother is not just the goddess of the moon, but she's a prisoner. Uh, she was imprisoned for stealing the elixir of immortality. Her mother is immortal. And in turn, Xingyin is now immortal. And she had stolen this elixir, her mother, apparently, according to the Celestial Empress, who is you know recounting all of this uh, for our benefit, really. And... You know, now she's like, oh, you know, they said we we felt a disturbance. Like, you know, you're supposed to be up here by yourself. Like, what are you doing? And then she's like, no, there's no one else here with me. But then her mother realizes, like, her daughter is now in danger because, you know, she said she should have known. She should have told her, you know, a more story. she regrets not telling her. But now she has to send her away because the, the Empress will do terrible things to her. So she flees. She flees the moon and ends up in the celestial kingdom. She doesn't know thing one about existing around other people, really, or what to do. But she ends up as a servant in a household with a cruel mistress and these other servant girls who are not nice to her at all. Da-da-da-da-da! She meets the prince, the prince of the celestial kingdom, uh, and gets an opportunity to learn alongside him after winning a challenge. Uh, She gets to go to the Celestial Kingdom, and they get to learn all these great things. Fencing, and math, and reading, and, like, all this great stuff. It's a super awesome opportunity for her. She's very excited. But really, everything that she is doing, everything Zingyin is doing, is to learn how to get back to her mother on the moon and free her from her prison. You know, and of course, she's getting little bits of the story of her mother and her father, you know, here and there. And She's also making friends with the son of her enemy because the emperor and empress are not nice people, by all accounts, and as we've seen with the empress, you know, when she was on the moon. And, you know, she's ready. She's going to do anything to, to free her mother and reunite with her, uh, you know, including putting herself in harm's way, making some enemies of her own. You know, there's going to be some betrayal. It's a beautiful epic fairy tale steeped in ancient Chinese mythology. It's the writing is, is this book. It's so vivid and lush. It, it I don't think it's, I mean, it sounds dumb to say, uh, uh, you know, but I don't think it's a perfect book. But, the, you know, the pacing is a little off at times, and Xingyin also reads as very young, but mostly because she has no experience with the outside world. But what I do think is that it's a gorgeous, hella entertaining book. It's over 500 pages long, it's going to be a duology. Like you read this book, and you're like, how is there so much of this book? And also that went by so fast. I just cracked this open and sank inside and I cannot wait for the second one. This is Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Su Lin
0: Tan. I'm super jelly of all your picks today. And that was absolutely whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yes.
0: So you can still read it. Oh, I totally will. And I have that one ready to go. But I am super pumped about my first pick in particular. Oh, it is so good. So, uh, I need more people to read this. And obviously, now you can. But anyway, <laughs> this book is called Wahala by Nikki May. Okay, I'm going to start off real quick because every if you look up this book, there are comps for it's comped, I should say, to Sex in the City, like over and over and over again. And this is no shade or disrespect if that is how the author feels. So, like, if that's the case, totally fine. Personally, I don't. Co sign that comp. I feel like it's kind of lazy. Like, yes, there are four women, and that, you know, we're getting to see the inner workings of their lives and their friendship, but that sort of feels like the end of the (laughs) like compatibility there. But I still love it. So let me explain. The book is set in England. It's told from the perspectives of three Anglo Nigerian women, these mixed race women who are best friends. So we have Simi, who lives what looks like the perfect life with a really cool job and Beautiful home and money. She's in a long-distance marriage with a man whose work is in New York. They're making it work. Uh, he thinks they're trying to have a baby. They're kind of not, and so that's a thing that you will learn about. And the other thing for her is that imposter syndrome just it 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 plagues her. It's like a condition that's not at all helped by the fact that she comes from you know a very traditional Nigerian family. So her Nigerian dad who like clearly kind of at least it looks like favors her brother and like never never lets her live down that she dropped out of uni. Like she dropped out of med school. So even though she's, like, doing well for herself, he's always, like, asking her for money for the brother, and yet also making her feel bad about the fact that, like, she, you know, isn't doing what she's supposed to have done with her life. And then at work, you know, she's a mixed-race woman, and so she's always being put on the quote-unquote urban projects, so that's a whole separate, you know, issue. And then there's Boo, who is married to the super kind French man. They have a perfect little girl. It's a great job. She only works at part-time, because the rest of the time she stays home with a daughter – she feels really trapped and unfulfilled by the current state of her life. Like, the trajectory of her life is not what she wants. And so she's kind of starting to get irritated by it. But she isn't, like, sure how to fix it. And the choices that she makes in this process are, like, not always helpful. And then there is Ronke, who is a dentist. And she wants nothing more than to be married with kids. She's been kind of unlucky, oftentimes due to bad choices <laughs> um, in love. But she believes that the guy that she's dating now is, like, this is it. This is the one. Her friends have their doubts. They think it's, he's just the latest in like a line of loser boyfriends that she has chosen probably to overcome some like daddy issues and, um, because her dad died when she was very young. She's like, nope, this is the guy. We're, we're hunting for flats. Haters gonna hate kind of thing. And then enter a fourth woman. Her name is Isabel and she's this very flashy, wealthy, glamorous divorcee, like recent divorcee, who kind of suddenly infiltrates the circle. She's not a stranger, exactly. She knew Simi back when they were little girls in Lagos, Nigeria. So she basically looked Simi up now that they're, you know, both in England, and that kind of just suddenly wants to be everybody's bestie. And it sort of works. Like, she, again, is loaded. So she takes the women out for these extravagant nights on the town. She wants to, you know, go on spa day. She showers them with expensive presents. And it's not just that, like, she is trying to set Simi up with a job interview to, like, maybe up her career a little bit. And she's, you know, going on runs and, like, getting real fit with Boo. But Ronke is not sold. Like, she she rubs her the wrong way. Everybody kind of writes that her off as being a hater. And so the book follows the four women and how each of their lives intersect with one another. Plus, you know, again, it's told in alternating perspectives, So we get the behind-the-scenes stuff of what every woman is going through herself and also how it relates to the rest of the women – the good, the not so good, the parts that, you know, eat them alive and break them apart. But what we do see is that there seems to be a trend that as Isabel gets more and more involved in their friendship, that the crack, there are cracks in like the foundation of the friendship between those, you know, three o- original women. So you're left to wonder, is something like nefarious going on here? You know, is, is, Ronke, like, are her suspicions founded? Or is she just like a flashy friend with some good intentions that don't always go the way you know they're supposed to? Or is there something sinister going on? So you go and you go and you go. And I'm gonna, that's, you know, all I'll say. What I, <laughs> I was listening to this on audio, I, I forgot to write down the name of the uh, narrator, but excellent job, like really good. And as I put on <laughs> Instagram recently, I took this to bed well, I, I should say I was listening to it in my ears while I was doing, like, my skincare routine. And then I hopped into bed with every intention of turning the audiobook off and, like, switching to an ebook or something else I was trying to finish. And I never got to the ebook because I just sat there, like, I was listening to an old-timey radio show. <laughs> just, like, what is happening for, like, the whole last, I don't know, hour and a half? And the ending, I am still so, like, what? <laughs> like, I, I have – Questions. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about the ending. That doesn't change how I feel about the book overall. Like, I still think it's a really interesting look at women's friendships and the decisions that women make, especially how they're informed by like external pressures, you know, from society and other women. But that ending hit me from like a, like a major WTF place. And I just want more people to read this so they can tell me if I'm losing it or if that ending really was as like, la ah, as it feels to me. So really, really great. This is, I believe, a debut. So I am pretty excited to see what comes next from Nikki May. Cause this was, it was so much fun spending time with these characters. So that again is Wahala by Nikki May.
1: All right. My next pick is I Came All This Way to Meet You, Writing Myself Home by Jamie Attenberg. Uh, Full disclosure, I am a Jamie Attenberg fangirl (laughs) and a huge fan of Sid, her dog, who, if you have not seen him yet, you know, immediately go to Twitter or Instagram and check him out because he's adorable. Uh, But really, anything that I say will be gushing because I just love all her books and I think she's awesome and... So it's probably for the best that, you know, we're making this a short show today because I'll just go on and on and on about her. Um, But if you've not read Jamie Attenberg, I highly recommend changing that, uh, you know, with this book. Or she has several novels, including All This Could Be Yours and All Grown Up, which both start with all, I'm just realizing now. Um, But this is her first nonfiction. It's a memoir about her life and her craft. Uh, Jamie just turned 50 and she's looking back on, you know, her life and she grew up in the Midwest. Her father was a traveling salesman, which is, like, something you don't hear people say very often anymore, which is kind of cool. But she has a lot of wanderlust, and she moved a lot when she was young. Uh, she had a lot of jobs, but she had also had a calling. She wanted to write, and she, you know, writes beautifully about what that feels like to have this thing inside that, you know, you just have to do. And she talks about her 20s, you know, People always say that, you know, people in their 20s, oh, they're kind of messy and, you know, you're expected to, like, straighten your life out by your 30s and your 40s. And, you know, Jamie talks a little bit about how, like, that's that's not it. Like, your life certainly changes and there are things that you'd be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I did that. You know, she says at one point, you know, something, I don't regret anything except, like, all the money I spent on drugs, you know, or something or, or being a jerk when I was in my 20s. But, you know, your 30s and your 40s are just as complicated but in different ways. But it's also a book about, you know, your about writing, you know, about... She talks about creating your craft, finding your voice, and also about what it was like traveling around. She traveled for book tours. She traveled just because she wanted to travel, you know, and, and meeting people and making friends all over who are like family. She reflects on her younger years with beautiful honesty. And she's so funny. And, and like I said, you know, I, I, I just think she's... Like, I love... Like reading what she writes. She's so honest. She's like so honest. And it sounds like a weird thing to say to be like, Oh, I wish I was that honest. But she is, you know, she's not afraid of anyone or anything. And she, you know, she tells you like exactly what she thinks. And that's not something that I'm, I'm good at. And I admire that, you know. And then her, the last section of this book is all about settling into, into a life. She bought a house in New Orleans. She got Sid, Sid, the super awesome dog who I could do a whole podcast just about Sid and his cute little underbite. It's told in streams of consciousness. It goes back and forth in time. And it's just a wonderful look into the life of a writer, you know, the highs and lows. And, you know, it's from one who is so genuine and honest. And I'm going to stop gushing now. Uh, but that is I Came All This Way to Meet You, Writing Myself Home by Jamie Attenberg.
0: I think a lot of uh, people on our staff, me included, are big Jamie Attenbergs dance. Well, how could you not be? She's awesome. She really is. (laughs) So yes, gush away. Or you just did. Okay, so my next pick is The Storyteller by Catherine Williams. And there is like zero chance that I was going to not read this book (laughs) because it has a thread in the plot that I just find delightful. So tell you all about it. Our main character is a 17-year-old girl named Jess who is struggling to sort of forge her own identity. She's doing her best to make everyone in her family happy, even if, like, doing so doesn't necessarily make her happy. That includes pleasing her mom, who, like, really just wants her to go off and go to Harvard and, you know, be super successful in that way. And also acting kind of, like, the perfect, super easy, breezy, agreeable, go-with-the-flow kind of girlfriend for her boyfriend, even though she- inside she's sort of, like, really wanting to break out of that mold. And then one day, she's helping to clear out her late, great great aunt's uh, Aunt Anna's house. And she finds a chest full of diaries in the attic. The diaries are all written in what looks like Russian, and she don't speak Russian. So she gets a a college kid whose name, of course, is escaping me, but um, a a guy who is studying the language to help her translate it or translate them, the the diaries. And guess what? (laughs) Those diaries reveal that the woman Jess has known all her life as, you know, her great-great Uncle Henry's wife may actually be. Anastasia, the Romanov Romanov princess, you know, daughter of Nicholas II, who was rumored to have escaped Russia when the rest of her family was, you know, very famously executed in 1918. By all accounts, this is not true. Like historians have pretty much debunked the theory that she survived, just like she probably didn't. But of course, you know, the hope persists, and I just have always been fascinated by that, like story and that possibility. So I was like, yeah, definitely going to read that, and I'm glad I did because it was really fun. From there, you know, after this discovery of the diaries, we get these, like, two storylines. So Jess's is set, you know, in – well, it's not contemporary. It's actually set, I think, in 2007. And then we also are getting Anna, the ant's story, told through these long passages from the diaries that detail her escape to the U.S. through, I think, Western Europe. And then one journey sort of serves as a parallel for the other – And Jess might finally, you know, through this story that, like, she still doesn't really know, like, is this true? Is it a hoax? We're not sure. But through that story is kind of finally finding the courage to write her own story. Again, it was just a really fun read. The Anastasia thing, like, is a pretty much auto-read for me at this point, because that was something I just was so fascinated by as a kid. And I still am to this day, even if, again, it's probably not true. And it was just a pleasant read to see how that mirrored you know, Jess's own journey and like trying to kind of figure out who she is and how to make changes to like be the person she wants to be. So really delightful. Enjoyed it very much. That is The Storyteller by Katherine Williams.
1: All right. So if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you've heard me say that I've fallen down, hit my head many times remember when I got a concussion from a book. And so if you're wondering how that's possible, I just want to say that Vanessa, I put my microphone on mute and then uh, leaned forward I'm sitting on a stool at my desk and I lean forward. Oh, no to put my elbow on my desk to listen to you talk about your book and my elbow slipped off the edge and I banged my cheek against the desk. Huh? <laughs> like, this is just, this is just a normal day for me. <laughs> I just really want to record
0: with audio more off or video just to like, not not for the world to see, but just for us to see each other because both of us have had instances where we're like, oh my gosh, if you could see me now and that, yeah. I'm sorry, but it's also very funny. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's just like a regular day at the office for just me. Doink. And, you know, I was like, bam, and I was like, good thing that was on mute.
0: <laughs> I would, I'm like talking about and i just hear a thud that would have been great yeah.
1: <laughs> oh all right i just before i keep going i just want to say how much i enjoyed doing this podcast and also i feel like we're all have we've all reached this point in the world right now where everything is just wacky and that's okay
0: <laughs> we're all metaphorically banging our heads against things it's yeah, fine
1: <laughs> it's fine um so my next pick Today is Small World by Jonathan Evison. Woo. This is a big, sprawling Dickensian novel. It's over five hundred or four hundred pages. Daughter's got four hundred, yeah, four hundred pages. It spans two centuries or hundred, like a little less than two centuries of characters from the mid eighteen hundreds to present day. Strangers on a train in Oregon, but not strangers on a train in a way that like somebody's going to kill someone for someone else. They're just actual strangers. And it's stories connected over the years. We hear from people from many backgrounds and cultures. Uh, It explores the historic racism, prejudices, and sexism of history. I said historic, so that probably was redundant. And each part is a story of a passenger on a train in Oregon in 2019 and their ancestors. There is a Chinese gold prospector. There is an enslaved person on the run. There are immigrants from Ireland. There are Native Americans making their way to the Rockies, and more. It's told through the building of the Transcontinental Railroad, and as it spreads out across the country, so do these people, and their stories travel. It's a look at the supposed American dream, with all the makings of, you know, that kind of big story with heroes and villains and trials and tribulations... And it shines a light on really how little progress we've made in regards to marginalized people in this country. Uh, And that's important to remember. But it's also just a fantastic novel. If you love a great big historical novel to lose yourself in, this is a really great one. I've read many of Jonathan Evison's books. I did a creep on him at BEA one year, like I saw him, but I was too afraid to meet him, so I just kind of followed him down the aisle one time, like, which you can tell because he always wears a pork pie hat, him and Sure Thomas. does. <laughs> so I just, I love his writing, and I think this one is his best one yet, and as someone who has read all of his books, I am in a good place to say that, I think. So this one is Small World by Jonathan Evison. And let's see, where are we now in the show... Vanessa, why don't you tell us about your next
0: book? <laughs> we're we're getting a little confused about things. It's fine. Uh, yes. I just want to throw in that I heart Jonathan Evison. I can't remember if he's originally from San Diego, but definitely lives in San Diego. And so he's he was like good friends with the owner of the indie bookstore where I work. So I've had drinks with Jonathan Evison. He is every bit the riot, like in person as he is in his books. I loved his last book, Lawn Boy. Like, I'm so jazzed to read what sounds like his most exciting work to me yet. So uh, he's, yeah. he's so funny. <laughs> Great guy. Um, okay, so I will now tell you about my next book, which I am not all the way finished with, but I'm so captivated by, because this is just a, it's structurally a really interesting book, and that is None But the Righteous by Chantal James. So... Amid the kind of havoc of Hurricane Katrina, we have our main character who is uh, Ham. He's 19 years old. He flees New Orleans where he lived in a foster home with his foster mother, Miss Pearl, and her son. And he escapes pretty much with just the clothes on his back and his only valued possession, which is a pendant that was handed down to him from Miss Pearl. But it's not like any old pendant. It is – there's something very special about this pendant that has always gripped him, but he didn't – he got a feeling from it, but like didn't really know what it was And what it is, is that that pendant contains a fragment of bone that is said to contain the spirit of St. Martin de Porres, or uh, St. Martin de Porres, my Spanish speaking mouth can't say it in their way. If you don't know who that is, I have dipped into my knowledge from several years in Catholic school, plus a refresher from Wikipedia <laughs> to tell you that San Martín de Borges is a real person from 17th century Peru. He was, um, again, Peruvian, a lay brother of the Dominican order who was beatified, made a saint in the 60s. He is the patron saint of social justice, uh, racial harmony, and mixed race people. And I believe I saw also saw the patron saint of like innkeepers and barbers, which I thought was it. Barbers, in case I didn't enunciate it well enough. Known for his charity, caring for the poor, established an orphanage and children's hospital. So that's who he was. So again, a fragment of this man's bone is supposed to be in this pendant. And unbeknownst to Ham, the pendant's purpose was to bind him to their home, to the home that he shared with Miss Pearl and her son. So not only that, but the spirit of San Martin de porres is actually the, who is narrating this story as we follow Ham's sort of winding journey back home. He's fled New Orleans, but he is just like ugh, hit with this like, compulsion to, to go back and to find out like what happened to Miss Pearl like he can't quite you know leave that part of his life behind but the story takes us all over to I think Atlanta and then rural Alabama and we see him you know essentially like you know dating other women and all along though having this feeling that he needs to go back and like find out and what's again what he doesn't know is like pulling him back is absolutely the spirit in this pendant. So again the structure of it is just super interesting because it is ultimately a spirit that is kind of helping you narrate, you know, this entire story. And it just is I mean it's taking me obviously to a place because you're you're watching somebody flee the catastrophe that was Hurricane Katrina, but it really I think the the main thing that I love about the book is that it's it's asking us to take a look at Both the concept of home and the concept of exile in a really interesting way that I think you have to take your time with this book. I've seen several reviews say like it's one of those you have to be patient with, but like the payoff is there. I agree with that assessment so far. It is one that you may have to read like a little bit more slowly may are not gonna blast through it, but I think is again really exciting and I, I want to say this one might be a debut as well. I could I could be wrong there, but if so, it's again very excited to see what comes next. So that again is None But the Righteous by Chantal James.
1: It is a debut. That's so yeah. And now we are going to hear from another sponsor.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish golden age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Lucia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players. But what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillen Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must-read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at leighbardugothefamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo, for sponsoring this episode this episode is sponsored by the one that got away with murder by Trish
0: Lundy Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends let us all take a collective angry sigh at that Lauren O'Brien the new girl at school has a dark past of her own and she's desperate for a fresh start Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show.
1: Okay, so my last pick for today... I'm very excited about this one. I think it's my first YA pick of the year. It is. It is The Bone Spindle by Leslie Vedder. It is... Okay, so I read the first, like, their comparison, which, as you were saying earlier, you know, sometimes comparisons are like, what? You know, they're like, this book is like, you know, Gone Girl, and, you know, Where the Crawdads Sing, and The Night Circus, because... People in these books breathe oxygen. You know, it's like very, yep, <laughs> very, very loosely related. But um, this one, they said it was Sleeping Beauty meets Indiana Jones, and I was like, huh? uh, and yeah. it is. It's a gender bent retelling of Sleeping Beauty with kind of Indiana Jonesish overtones, overtone, over Jones, maybe we should say Indiana over Jones. Um, and it's about Fee, who is a treasure hunter. And her friend Shane, she meets a wild warrior girl. They are paired up with a map to find a hidden artifact in the Rose Forest. Uh, But on their journey to find this artifact, Fee accidentally pricks her finger and is inhabited by the spirit of Briar Rose. Who is a prince, in this case. Who has been put into a sort of sleep curse and is waiting for a kiss to save his kingdom. So now, they, like I said, they live in a world where there is magic, but there are also those who wish to banish it and its practitioners, the witch hunters. Uh, so together, uh, Shane and Fee, along with the spirit of Briar Rose, and then a mysterious young woman named Red, who they meet up with, they set out to take on the magical Rose Forest because it's always a magical forest in these stories. Uh, in order to get to the Briar to Briar Rose's kingdom and break the curse. Axes and witch hunters and magic, oh my! You It also deals a lot with the past. We hear their backstories. Fee, so much more in this one than Shane. Um, fee has an abusive ex who we hear a lot about, and she's still sort of reeling from that relationship. But she also now in the present might be falling for Briar Rose, who is your sort of stereotypical Prince Charming, but also is not... Annoying in any way, which I enjoyed. V's relationship was given more space. Uh, there is a sequel coming, and I'm hoping that we're going to get more of Shane's story and Shane's relationships. And um, as I've mentioned recently, I'm super into royalty and kingdom stories the last couple of years. I have no idea why. But I just, I loved Shane the most in this book, because I always like that wild, let's hit things with an axe and ask questions later kind of characters and stories, you know, where they're tough as nails and possibly a little unstable, but it's hiding like a big goopy center, you know. Shane is very snarky and badass to hide the hurt. And I want to give trigger warnings for gaslighting, abuse, trauma, and PTSD, violence, and death. This is a lot of fun. I look forward to the next book. It is The Bone Spindle by Leslie Vetter.
0: There were a lot of interesting buzzwords in that. I need to read that.
1: <laughs> Goopy and Diana Jones? Yep. Love it.
0: Over <laughs> over Jones. <laughs> yeah, that was great. All right. I will bring this home now with my last pick, which I also have not all the way finished, but the it's a collection of stories, so it kind of lends itself to that, and that's why I picked it. This is Seasonal Work by Laura Lipman, which actually came out last week. She's a pretty prolific author at this point, and what's wild is that I read like several of her b- books a long time ago, and for the life of me, when I went back to look at the titles, could not remember which ones they were, <laughs> but I absolutely know that I've read her and enjoyed her. So sh- this one is a collection of stories versus what she usually has done, which has been just a regular full-length. And they feature deception, murder, dangerous games, and love gone wrong. And that I, I pulled straight from the copy because it's just true. So if you are a Laura Lippman fan, you'll recognize someone in the first two stories. They actually feature Tess Monahan, who is the now-retired private investigator, who was the subject and basically star of this whole the Tess Monahan series. <laughs> it does, I think there's a dozen of those. And there's another story that features Tess's parents, specifically kind of her mom before Tess was born. So that's a cool little feature. These stories are sort of about everyday liars, cheaters, sexist, bad people, and sort of what they have come mean to them. They are really delicious, kind of – There's, I mean, they're violent. Some of them are, anyway. They're, there's a lot of psychological mind effery. <laughs> Lots of deceit. Um, And I've only read, I think, maybe six of them so far, and there are 12, but I'm really enjoying them. So a couple highlights. There is one uh, that is actually set in a children's bookstore in Baltimore. This is one of the stories that features Tess, where she catches the man who's been stealing inventory from indie bookstores, and then discovers that he's got a pretty extraordinary use for the stuff that he has stolen. There's another one that I really loved about a married couple. Um, The wife is a high school teacher, and the man is her husband. And they're sort of trying to heal, I guess, in the aftermath of an affair that he had a year ago. But the wife has just never stopped being suspicious. She's There's a line that says, "Just yeah, I've been spying on him for so long that it's hard to remember what I might know and what I can't know, (laughs) which I loved. And so she finds a burner phone in his laundry one day and realizes what she thinks is just that, like... He's having, you know, another kind of surface affair that he just, like, can't not be new to someone. Like, that's the way she phrases it. But she discovers that, nope, it is actually an affair, and it's every bit as deep as the first. So she takes matters into her own hands in a way that I cannot strictly condone, but makes for great reading. So, again, it's just, (laughs) some of these are super, they're violent, they're really psychological, they... Just again, people kind of getting what they're coming to them in this or what's coming to them in these interesting ways. But I really really love Laura Lippman's writing and so these have been fun to kind of dip in and out of right before bed, which is maybe an interesting thing to read before you go to bed, but I have been enjoying them. So again, that is seasonal work by Laura Lippman.
1: Okay, two things. One, I love Laura Lippman. she's awesome. Another person you should go and follow on Twitter immediately. She's very funny and her books are great. And two, you, because you were mentioning, you know, cheating husbands and people getting things that are coming to them. I haven't been able to sleep the last few days because <laughs> I just am so uncomfortable. I, I watched the first season of How to Get Away with Murder, which is my first Shonda Rhymes show and watched one. Liberty. Um, and I couldn't stop watching it. Yeah. And I'm like, this is all bad advice, and there's no way that this would ever actually work. But <laughs> Super bad at, at the same time, you know, like, you know, without giving anything away, like, these people trying to cover up a murder are doing a terrible job. <laughs> terrible. And I'm just like, this is, like, how not to get away with murder is what it should be called. Yep. But, oh my goodness, Bula Davis is just oh, amazing. She's everything. She's amazing. Yeah. She's everything. Just Unbelievable. I can't believe she didn't win an Emmy like every single season for this show. Although I haven't seen it. Maybe, you know, she decides to, you know, stop giving it any effort later. But oh, so far, no. the first season, she's just amazing. Um, and it's really fun. So now I'm like, I have all this work to do, but I want to watch the second season.
0: Oh, Shonda, Shonda grabs you. She, I, I am very, yeah. I always say I'm very happy that Shonda Rhimes decided to write and not do the things that occur to her in her head <laughs> because <laughs> Lottie. But yeah, that, that's a really great show and a good, um, Good thing to dive. In. You can have some Laura Lippman and watch some of that on the side.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So those are our new books. What are you going to read next?
0: Uh, Libby decided to be like, here, all your library holds, all of them right now. Here you go. And so these books that I've had on hold forever <laughs> came in. One of which is Shadow of Night, which is the book I've been trying to read for like two years, the, uh, Discovery of Witches number two, because I'm one of those people that, not all the time, but often really needs to, like, have finished the book before I dive into the series. And I loved the first season of the Discovery Witches show, so that's what I'm doing. And I absolutely amended what was originally going to be my next read to instead add in Small World by Jonathan Evison, because I am that excited about it.
1: Yay! How about you? I'm going to read Mercury Pictures Presents by Anthony Mara, which is exciting because it's been seven years since Czar of Love and Techno, his collection of stories, came out, and nine years since his debut novel... A Constellation of Vital Phenomena, which was a huge hit, and I know that he has a lot of fans, so this is coming out in July Mercury Pictures Presents, and we've been anxiously awaiting it. And I'm also reading a debut called The Boy with a Bird in His Chest by Emmy Lund, which comes out in February, which is about a boy who, I bet you can't guess, has a boy, a, a boy <laughs> in his chest? No, has <laughs> a, a bird boy. in his chest. It's a boy with the boy in his chest, but there's a bird. I don't know. It's the end of the show. But... It's also excellent. So that's it for us today. We made it! Hooray! Mm-hmm. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Without whom, you would hear me hitting my face on the desk. <laughs> you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com, which many of you have lately, which I love. It's great. I love hearing from listeners. Uh, you can find us online. We mostly hang out on Instagram. Vanessa is Buenos Dias SD. I am friends and comes alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime... Happy reading. reading.